and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I'm Joey Pasco, your host alongside Ruben Bressler. Hi. And Matt Cranstuber. Good morning. Good morning. It's morning for us. I don't know if it's morning this for you listeners. It's too early. It is pretty early. Get out Man, of here. We just, we just got done having this huge snow, and uh, I wake up this morning, and there's probably twice as much snow as there was before. So that's funny that you mentioned snow because I was going to mention snow too because I've been looking at the forecast for the last two days, you know, this huge storm that we're supposed to get, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to wake up to snow. There's not a flake outside. Oh, man, I'll trade you. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get some value in that trade, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like being snowed in. I just love it. Uh, no dice, man. I, I had stuff I wanted to do today. Now it's it's shot. How's Roanoke, Ruben? Uh, I mean, I'm in Columbus right now. Oh, okay. Well, so I don't know how Roanoke is. I hear it's icy, oh. which is why I didn't drive back yesterday. So I'm still in Columbus. It is quite um, quite fluffy outside here. So are you planning on driving to uh, to Roanoke today? In this yeah, I'm gonna weather? after we're done here, I'm gonna drive back to Roanoke. Um, the weather's not too bad all the way down, so that's that's the plan. Cool, cool. We'll drive safe, of course. Yep. So, uh, as always, In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And coming up next weekend on January 5th and 6th, the Open Series comes to Columbus, where you guys are right now, uh, with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune in to SCGLive.com and catch Ari Lax and Adam Prozac with Glenn Jones in the sideboard, bringing you guys all the action. And the Twitter hashtag for the event is... S-C-G-C-O-L, so you can use that to join in the discussion. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash S-C-G-O-P. Fantastic. Really looking forward to that one. You're, you guys are missing out. So you're going to play both days, you think, Cranny? I, I haven't decided yet. I got my Legacy deck built. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty good one, and uh, I, I haven't built a standard yet. So me and me and my buddy Rich, um, we've been playing a hybrid of Ali and Trazi's five color list plus like Reed Duke's sort of four color Bant list plus Omni Door Thragfire uh, from Wu slash LSV. Uh-huh. So we've kind of like got a, a mix mix up going on. And, uh, like, it, it's kind of crazy. Like, right now I'm playing, like, ma- uh, two or three main deck Jace Memory Adept. Um, nice. Because it's just so freaking good against, you know, all these turtle decks. And, uh, so Do you have, I, like, no creatures main deck? Yeah, like, I've even cut it down. I think I have, like, two Thragtas, um, only, like, two Lingering Souls. Just because it's, it, it, you just, like, don't need to play them now. It's You're playing very much Haymaker Magic. So it's, uh... It's interesting, but uh, anyway, um, we will talk about standard, but probably in a little bit different light today because uh, in, in our in our lineup of hashtags, we got RTR mechanics. Of course, we've had all five guilds spoiled, so we're going to review what those mechanics are and uh, what they mean for standard and other formats. And then uh, prior to that, we got a couple of topics we're going to go over. We have the MTGO Cube review, so we're going to talk about our experience using the uh, or playing the MTGO Cube over the past week and a half or so. Then uh, there's a vintage event locally here in Columbus tomorrow that uh, I'm going to be playing in, and I'd like to talk about 
the vintage format briefly. And then New Year's resolutions we're going to talk about as a group. Um, every year we try to, well, for one year, this will be the second annual New Year's resolutions uh, sort of segment. And then finally, uh, we're going to cover briefly a tournament going on called the Streamer uh, Magic Online Streamer Championship, which is actually a pretty cool community-run event. So some pretty cool stuff to talk about. I guess we could probably, uh, why don't we just start at the top and talk about the online cube. Did you guys get an opportunity to uh, play or, or watch any online cube this past week? I did. Week yeah? I played a lot. I watched How'd that a go? little. Um, it was fine. Like, it's the cube. Like, if you have a cube, you're going to play it. Um, and regardless of, let's ignore the part where there's power. Because I think that having power for this iteration is huge news, and it's big, and splashy, and it's, it's, it's fun for people who haven't gotten to play with power yet, and I had fun playing the cube because it's a cube. Um, they're still working out the kinks. You know, it takes a long time long time to figure out exactly where you want your cube to go. Cranny, you know this. You have a cube. Every week you played with a huge group of people and tried to figure out what's the best direction for your cube, right? right. And so there's still some awkward ones like Gloom Surgeon I've never seen in a deck, but they've hit some, they've hit some good ones. Like Null Rod was a hit. I think. I think that that was a correct card to put in the cube. Yeah. Um, I think Either Sworn Canonist is a good one, um, even though I was skeptical on that one at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they've got some bad misses as well. And so, you know, it just takes a little while to, to get to where you want the cards to be. The other thing is that they've got, they, you know, they, they've got a whole different audience and a different direction. They want to showcase what's come out recently and showcase... Uh, what they you know what they think is the history of magic at this point with their with the power and and so it's it's um there's a little bit of a give and take i had fun doing it though i have to say yeah yeah you know i like uh i I like your perspective i think the power was a def i think this cube even though it's powered and it's you know it has its flaws uh one way or the other i actually think it's probably a better list than the 720 card cube they had the first time around. Maybe not I agree. the second time. And I think it's mostly because I think they, they really did streamline it. So some of the archetypes just got so much better. Of course, you know, Storm is like a, a real thing that you can draft now. And the artifact deck is very, very good. Yeah, um, the artifact deck's the same. Oh, it's it's fantastic. So like Tinker, you see Tinker-type card now, or Tolarian Academy, um, Metalworker, etc., I mean, you you just want to snap, take those cards because you know all the artifact man is in the signets and and moxen, and uh, so it it definitely made for a different environment. So some I, of the decks I, got worse though, which is unfortunate because some of the decks. Well, first of all, you know I love Reanimator. Reanimator got way worse. Yeah, um, there just aren't as many discard outlets, and now three of the biggest fatties shuffle your graveyard back in. Right. Not to mention Blightsteel Colossus also can't really get reanimated ever. Yeah, I think they they made the show and tell back deck better, you know, with like your Riga yes. show and tell. Um, you know, the green decks I think got a lot worse, you know, because instead of getting rampant growths and wanting to pick cards like Oracle Moldea, you really kind of were picking signets and stuff instead because they're just the better alternative. Right. 
So, you know, green got a little bit worse as far as it's not the de facto ramp colors. So that was kind of a little bit different. Um, I guess my my sort of final thought on the list is uh, it's a it's a nice it's a nice um, thing to kind of bring around every once in a while. But I, I really did feel like like last night I was playing. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll just give you my top five blowout plays. Uh, I had a first turn primeval <laughs> titan played against me. Um, I've been mind twisted for seven on turn three. I've uh, I've had stuff just like you know first turn. Mox, land, signet, next turn, you know, five drop type plays. Um, you know, really any play with soul ring. So, you know, those sort of big plays are, are pretty, they don't feel very good. You know, yeah. when you've, when you've crafted like a really great deck, I don't mind losing in the finals to that. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, this guy built an insane deck, but you know, last night I had a really, really good deck and, uh, it, I got mine twisted on turn three or four or whatever it was for for my entire hand. I mean, I was ready to to you know start playing magic and and all of a sudden now I'm left with with three lands on the board and no hand and he's got a you know five cards in his hand. Yeah, so, I mean, some people are arguing like like Cranny and I. We had a uh, I'm not sure Joe if you were in this discussion, but we got into a little discussion on Twitter that was like, oh, it's just because. Well, first of all, the the funny part was that like, oh, Cranny's just indoctrinated Ruben into the no no power part, which I thought was very funny. Um, yeah, Kenyon Claire, and he's a, a vocal cube guy on Twitter. Yeah, that that anyone could think that my opinion could be swayed quite so easily, um, <laughs> but uh, that that there was this this movement on Twitter that was just like, you know, oh, clearly power is the future of magic, as if vintage is this huge uh, underground, you know, it no, there's, there's like a huge underground swelling of, of, of uh, vintage players that I just don't know about. Um, you know, vintage is, 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 a, is a cult format, that's fine, but there certainly isn't the support for it that there is for any of the other formats in terms of players playing it. Um, and so I thought that was a little interesting that everyone's like, oh, now that we have power, I like vintage. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It, it is a fair weather format in that, um, you know, nobody plays it year round, but then all of a sudden everybody's clamoring for power when Gen Con comes around. Yeah. And, you know, and everybody wants to, to get a shot at it. And, you know, in a way, I, I kind of like it because, you know, it, that's really the first constructed format I ever played. So, you know, it has a spot in my heart. In fact, I started to write this long history article on uh, Modern, and uh, part of it was my story on how I got into magic in the first place, or competitive magic, and it it involves going to a a local shop here in town uh, with my, you know, casual deck and getting, you know, disrupting Sceptered out of the game and Moted out of the game and Time Locked (laughs) out of the game and... And, like, really learning, like, how to fight these decks. So, you know, building my four Gorilla Shaman, four Shattering uh, Pulse, or not, whatever. Whatever that, uh, Primeval Justice, or whatever that card is. Um, you know, deck to sort of fight these decks. And really, my first time metagaming when I was, like, 12 years old, you know, playing against these, you know, 20-year-olds with, you know, $600 decks, you know. Which was, at the time... That's what you know. To buy a set of power it costs you about six or seven hundred dollars. It's not that much, right? So, but yeah. uh, cheaper than well, uh, not much more expensive than a standard deck. 
Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, I remember I bought my first Mox I bought was a Mox Jet, and I bought it for fifty dollars. So, and uh, and I've I've owned all, a, a number of power cards over the year. I just bought back a set of power from J.R. Wade before he moved out to Seattle, and uh, ultimately ended up working at Wizards. But you know, I'm I'm ready to play the format again, which which we'll talk about. But actually, maybe we could just go into it because I mean, any, Joey, do you have any thoughts? I mean, have you you've been watching any? Uh, Streams or anything with the online queue? What, what do you think? About- Very little. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much to add because I haven't. Yeah, you know, I. I don't have Moto installed, and I. Uh, I so I can only watch people play, and yeah. most of my watching happens when I'm at work, when I'm kind of distracted. Yeah, other, other I, things, I, so I see you pop in my stream. Yeah, drive by, drive by pass going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I would pop on, try to watch as much as I could, but usually other things are happening at work, so. Uh, I was kind of listening more than watching. Fair enough. Well, I guess, you know, so we're on the topic of vintage. And, uh, you know, there's a vintage tournament tomorrow. And it's kind of funny. When I was trying to look at decks that I wanted to play, and I was looking on the Internet to try and find, you know, like articles and things. And I, I go to, to uh, StarCityGames.com, you know, the, the homepage, and click on the vintage hashtag. And there's only one, one writer. Um, and it's kind of the same for every site. There's... Usually, like one or 0.5 writers writing about it. Uh, really, the best possible content you can get for vintage is just to go to, you know, like the Bazaar of Moxon or go to the Mandarin and look at just the top eight decks and kind of piece together what you can from them. Uh, Steve Menendian's kind of like one of the last big vintage writers out there, and he's still writing, I think, on, on Eternal Central or something. But um, it's just, it's like an undocumented format. And uh, when we were trying to, Grew up decks last year. I, there were like some some things that I noticed about the format that I'm just like, why are people doing this? And uh, I, the the best example, the best well, it's two examples really. Is why the hell are people playing Blightsteel Colossus when that card's crap? Yeah, and and why aren't people playing Creatures and Swords to Plowshare? It, it just it doesn't make sense. Yeah, to the me. Swords to Plowshares question is really weird to me because a lot of decks are just like, all right. I have this game plan, but I also have Blightsteel, Colossus, and Tinker. And no one is playing swords. Yeah, and like half of your deck is like Trigon Predator, Dark Confidant, you know. It's like, well, how many Force of Wills get thrown at Dark Confidants to try and make it so they don't stick when you could just play a one-mana card that just deals with it on the spot? And uh, and the same thing goes with like, it's changed. It's definitely changed since last year, but you know, the first deck I built had Stoneforge Mystic. And, you know, because you get a shuffle, you get to find, you know, you really only have to play Batter Skull. You can run other equipment. But it's like, why aren't people playing these cards? You're, like, spending all these turns, and, and, and your game plan is to time vault, you know, Voltaic Key somebody. But, like, you're just not, you're not being efficient with, you could be doing other things without having to throw Force of Wills to try and, like, protect this fragile combo. That gets stopped by a pithing needle. Um, I don't know. It's Joey, a weird, weird format, man. Like, it, it is. It, it really is. Uh, I don't know. But I'm, I'm playing workshops. You know, I feel like yeah. work, workshop is like chopping my cube deck last night. It was awesome. Oh, that card is so good in cube. It's like turn one coalition relic, and it felt really good. Jeez. <laughs> Did you play an artifact on turn two? 
I did, but it was like a grim monolith or something. It wasn't anything impressive. It wasn't like I threw a Sundering Titan into play or anything. I, actually, that deck was kind of neat. I had three. Um, I had all three Eldrazi in my blue-white Show and Tell Tinker deck, but I only the only Tinker target I had was Sundering Titan. So nice. it wasn't it wasn't terribly impressive, but it was nice. That's just like was fun. like enormous mana things. I lost to a black blue disruption deck. Like he just had all the things. Game one, I, I went. I went turn three show and tell, and he let it resolve because he had a sore of temptation in his hand. So you know that'll happen sometimes. <laughs> but nice. uh, eh, whatever. So uh, I, just to kind of wrap up the vintage discussion, you know, we had our new player. Um, orientation slash guide slash whatever last week. And I hope that you all were able to enjoy it or pass it on to somebody. Um, and uh, we got some feedback that we didn't kind of cover some of the formats like vintage sort of as well as we could. And um, if there is a big vintage tournament coming up or there's, you know, a banning or something that makes vintage a more relevant format, then we will of course cover it. But uh, I think as a show, you can kind of expect us to cover the main three formats, which are, you know, standard, modern, and legacy, and then also, you know, any news and spoilers and things like Cube. Like, those will kind of be thrown in as they come, but really those are, our, our main focus is the PTQ formats, uh, non-limited PTQ formats. Um, so that's uh, just, just if, you're, if you're somebody who's kind of listened to our show the last three or four times, you're like, hey, you know, why aren't they talking about, uh, you know, Return to Ravnica Limited? Well, it's because we're not, we don't really focus on those. But um, we hopefully can give you some resources to help you get, get in the right direction. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let's move on here to um, a cool community-run event um, called the Magic Online Streamer Championship. I just wanted to kind of talk about this briefly because it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's an eight-player event featuring, I'll just go through the playlist, AJ, Sack, AJ Sacker... Cedric Phillips, Jan Vandervek, uh, he's a, a very popular streamer. I believe he's from Germany or Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, Michael Hetrick, Michael Jacob, Owen Turtenwald, Sam Black, and Tom Martell. So just a really star-studded list of guys. And they're playing for a number of prizes, which, you know, that doesn't really matter to us. But the cool thing is that we're it's, um, it's three formats. So it's going to be Return to Ravnica Draft, uh, three rounds. Three rounds of standard and three rounds of the MTGO Holiday Cube. So it's going to be pretty crazy. Like, what do you guys think about, you know, this is really, we've seen community run tournaments like open, but never like an invitational type thing. So what do you yeah, think? That's kind of what this reminds me of, like a little invitational where it's kind of put together by the community. Uh, I, I love the idea. Um, for those of you guys who, who haven't heard about it, it's, it's happening on December 30th, which for us is the future, but for you is the past. But uh, I would imagine it's, you know, somewhere, somebody, you know, you'll be able to find the archives of the games if you want to uh, want to watch anything specific um, or all of it. Uh, but it, it seems like a very cool idea and um, to kind of, it's kind of merging the the kind of community run event with an invitational. And I, I love the the concept of uh, kind of these eight guys who are, who most of which, uh, most of these guys are streaming all the time anyway. So when you get to see them streaming against each other in kind of a, a tournament setting, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Ruben, anything? Uh, um, anything to think about? Yeah, I'm I'm deciding what my opinion is on it. <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, I think that the the danger of community run events that are invitationals are you invite the wrong people. Uh, and I believe that Owen Turtenwald I have seen stream maybe single digit times, so he seems an odd choice to be here, even though he's a big name. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you're trying to pick like stream all stars, I'm not sure that he's he belongs in the group, even though he clearly belongs in the group. If you're just trying to pick, you know, popular pro players that right. are interesting voices in the community. But if you're doing that, then why are you picking Mr. Amsterdam? Right. Well, it, so well, yeah. it's a weird it's a weird overlap there. Yeah, I me. think I would like to see Prozac. And let's I would like to see probably- Prozac. I think missing on Travis Wu is a little bit of a misclick. Yeah. Um. You know, David Williams has been streaming a lot recently. He's a fun one. So yeah, I don't know who put the who like who did the Greg uh, Hatch. I think not inviting Greg Hatch is an enormous misclick. Yeah, you, I I think having more amateur level people would be fun too because it's. Yeah. I mean, I like an underdog. I especially like an underdog that has charisma. You know, and that's what a lot of these streamers are. You know. Um, like Greg Hatch is a great example. Like, I don't know if, if he has any pro tour, you know, uh, appearances or anything like that, but that dude is insane to watch. He's so fun. I mean, you feel like half the time he knows the right way to draft, but he drafts another way because he knows the players going to watch it. Like that dude would sooner burn, burn eight tickets on a cube draft and do something insane and lose than right. just go in and just draft the best deck. He'd and much rather just find all of the infinite Palancron engines, like first pick Palancron, just just because he can, and then be like, all right, let's get all of the infinite Palancron engines <laughs> in the same deck together. That card combos with everything. It does. So this was a fun game I played with Prozac on the stream, by the way. Uh, we came up with, like I think, eight different cards where you can get infinite mana with Palancron in the cube. The most, <laughs> the most fun one was Phantasmal Image. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like Sneak Attack. Sneak Attack, Phantasmal Image, Mirari's Wake, Heartbeat of Spring. I mean, there's a bunch. Slayer Academy. I got that one the other day. Gaius Cradle. Yeah. That one's difficult. Joey, what do you think about the this uh, streamer championship? Well, yeah, like I think I think it's a cool idea. I don't know who did, did the inviting or put the roster together, but it's also you know worth thinking about. Maybe maybe some of these guys that you're mentioning were invited and said you know hey I can't do it that day or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I I'm sure. You know. I'm sure that happened. That's true. So, That's uh, true. but you know, the, you make a good point, Ruben. Like. If if someone doesn't stream, do they belong in the streamers championship? It's kind of kind of odd, but as a as a first kind of uh, iteration of the of the tournament, uh, it seems pretty cool. And maybe they'll do it once a quarter or something instead of you know. I mean, maybe we don't have to wait until next year. Maybe they'll do something right in a few months. Yeah, but I guess we get. It remains to be seen how much uh, press. What's is the prize? Uh, like some some sets like of standard. Oh. No, it's uh, sta- one standard legal foil set, and then second gets wow. a box box of brass. In real life or online? Um, IRL, I think. Yeah, I don't who's know. who's putting forth? You know, who's who's putting up the prizes? Yeah, is, is it is it like a shop or this is weird? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't not know. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It looks like Found Omega's uh, the person that made the post, so I don't know if he's putting it up or not. But uh, there's no, there's no like. I feel like that a store would be like all over this and be like, yeah, we're helping support this thing, like if it made any sense. To, uh, yeah, to I do, don't. But, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, if if it's just a guy on, if it's just a guy, then it's fine. But uh, you know, this seems like something that a that a that you know one of the uh, the mid level stores would snap up immediately to try to get some publicity. But right, hey, maybe, maybe they will. Maybe it's uh, you know, maybe it's going to start picking up, and you know. I look forward to seeing where this goes because this is obviously the first one. We just talked about how the first iteration of something is just a mess. And so if this is a mess, then oh well. But I'm sure it'll be an entertaining mess and it'll get better from here. Sounds good. So uh, let's uh, wrap up our mini topics with our New Year's resolutions. And uh, Ruben was kind enough to point out that we did this last year. And, of course, my... My memory would not allow me to remember that for whatever reason, but Old uh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but in in thinking about it, I do I do recall doing one. So I guess I can reflect back on last year's and then talk about what I want to do this year. But I think last year's I said I wanted to play slower, and uh, I I do that online a lot now because I don't for whatever reason I'm just better at at playing online and think kind of thinking through things, but. Uh, yeah, I don't really do that. So <laughs> I'm not doing it as well as I could. So I'm resolving again, um, you know, much in the same way people fall off the horse when they say they're going to work out or stop, you know, drinking coffee or something. I'm going to resolve again to try to play a little slower and try to really digest the board state a little bit better. So that's my magic New Year's resolution. I, I can't see New Year's re- uh, resolution and think about it magic-related without thinking of uh, of Sam Stoddard's fearless magical inventory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I had, I had to bring that up. Not that my resolution has anything to do with it, but that's something that I think you guys, just Google fearless magical inventory. You'll find the article. Uh, it is honestly one of the, probably the top ten most influential magic articles, I would think. I, I mean... It, at least to me, because I like knew about knew Sam and then knew about the article and was like, "Wow, this is really impactful on me." But you know, it's it, it gets a shout out from pretty much every major uh, article writer that yeah. there is. So if you yeah. haven't read it, go read it. Definitely, and maybe we will link to that in the show notes uh, if 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 you remember, Cranny. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, could, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember reading. If you it. remember, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that wasn't intentional. Uh, no, I like the, the accidental dagger. <laughs> so, uh, so I think my resolution, though, is um, I think I get distracted and it causes me to, to you know, causes my games to last way longer than they should. Uh, I think I need to focus more. I, uh, you know, I'll be talking to my opponent or uh, I think I even get distracted with in-game things, thinking about lines of play, and then I'm like, well, wait, what am I doing now? So I think focus is something that I would really like to... Uh, to focus on, um, and mm-hmm. I, even I feel like it was just a few years ago. Um, gee, I say a few years ago; it may have been like five, seven years ago, something. But uh, where some someone showed up at a tournament with uh, like F O W M on their on their hand, like focus on what matters or something oh, like nice. that. Uh, and and I feel like it was mentioned in coverage. And I someone asked me about it because I tweeted about it a few months ago, and. Um, and I could not find that reference, so I don't know where I heard it. But it it was could only maybe it was a maybe it was a versus system thing. Maybe that's where I'm getting it. I didn't think to search versus system coverage, but uh, I I thought that was a good idea. You know, focus on what matters. Uh, and and I think Is that that's, outside notes. 
I, I, and that was the, the <laughs> discussion on Twitter, right? You're, you're like uh, F O W M, you know. Yeah, if, it, if it's a tattoo, though, is that outside notes? Right. I, that was that was. <laughs> this part is of a it. fun discussion, but we'll do that some other time. <laughs> yeah. So, Ruben, you're up. All right. So, Cranny wants to play slower. Joey wants to play faster. Um, <laughs> I well, last year my resolution was to was to tilt less. Um, I'm a very bad loser. Uh, and I hate losing, which is why I started playing Magic in the first place, because, you know, I didn't have a competitive outlet, and this was my sort of, you know, uh, gladiatorial arena that I chose. Um, and I think I've succeeded in tilting less, not just because I don't play much Magic anymore, you know, because of the job, but also in that I've sort of, you know, not every game is the end of the world kind of thing. I think I've, I think I've succeeded a little bit. Um, but in terms of what I want to do this year, I feel like, okay, (laughs) so I went to Indianapolis and I had zero buys and that was really weird because I've had buys since I was like 16, 15, you know what I mean? Um, and I guess, I guess my resolution would just be to play in sanctioned events more. Hmm. Um, cause I just, I like, don't go to F&M anymore. I don't go to, you know, if, if I have a weekend off, I just want to nap. Um, <laughs> which, you know, after a long weekend and I don't really get a time to, to, to catch back up on sleep, that's rough. You know, I was telling these guys, I haven't slept in my own bed for three days in a row this month. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but, but you have, half of that's vacation for holidays, and I was also in Los Angeles or Las Vegas for a week. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a first world problem, I understand, but, you know, it's, it, it wears on you. So, I don't always want to go out of my way to, you know, drive six hours to go to an event, but... I think that if uh, I think that if I make a concerted effort, I can certainly play in competitive events and be competitive because I know I'm still a good player. I just don't get a chance to to practice enough, really. And uh, I think that playing in more competitive events would would help. Sure. I was also telling these guys that I think that I don't know if I told you this, Joey. Actually, was that uh, among people in the Magic community mm-hmm. who are huge, big in the Magic community who don't play almost any competitive magic, I think we three are near the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's probably true. I, I think I probably do more outside of actually playing magic uh, at a great, great number than I do actually playing Sanctuary Magic. Now, uh, Magic Online is where I make up for that. I get a ton sure. of hours playing Magic Online. So that's... If I didn't play Magic Online, I don't even know that my opinion would be a relevant opinion. <laughs> how, just... how much professional football does you know Adam Schefter play? Exactly. Right. Right. I think that's, sure. I think that's a fair every, analogy. Every sport needs every sport needs you know strictly commentators. Yeah. The good thing, good news for us is we can play. Uh, you know, he he can't go down there and get on the field and just like suit up. <laughs> right. You that's know. nice. That's a nice thing about Magic. Right. It's probably more like golf commentators. Right? Yeah, because they can Cause, still theoretically play on like the senior tour or something. Yeah, so like we're on the senior tour, you know. We can. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the return to Ravnica mechanics discussion. So now, 
uh, Wizards was kind enough this week, every day of the week during Christmas, uh, Christmas or holiday week, whatever, they released a card with a new mechanic from Return to Ravnica. Yeah, and this was this was a really cool idea. They haven't done this before, and I hope they they keep doing something like this because it does it gives something uh, you know to the people that that read daily MTG every day or every week. Uh, you get to the the end of the year and they run their best of columns, and you're yeah. like, oh wow, this is a great. Oh wait, I read that. You know, like a lot. I find myself clicking on things that I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting, and I yeah, realize I I read it before. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but this is something cool to bring you know those loyal players to the site and give you know give everybody something that's that's exciting even if it's just a card you know no no article written about it just just a card and it was uh, kind of cool how they did it too with just a little little gift box you just click and the the card would pop up so um, love it very, very cool so uh, Joey why don't you you were talking about why don't we start with evolve Okay. Because uh, you, you kind of wanted to talk about sort of how they spoiled this, so go go ahead. Yeah, so the, and now, you know, stepping back from what we were just talking about, uh, you know, as far as the Christmas week spoilers, um, or previews, I guess they, they should be called, uh, we actually had a card unofficially spoiled on Friday, the day the world was supposed to end, uh, <laughs> December 21st. Uh-huh. Uh, we had... We had a card that was apparently opened at an F and M, uh, at least from what I what I gather, or at least at some sort of uh, some sort of draft on Friday, and it was in a Return to Ravnica pack, but it was a Gate Crash card. Now, where have we heard this before? Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing happened with uh, Rootborn defenses in an M thirteen pack. So now I'm starting to wonder, and I'm sure others are, if this is something somehow intentional. You know, maybe I—I I don't know. That seems—it seemed like a weird, fluky thing the first time. Now, is this a pattern? You know, are we yeah. See? Once, once is a coincidence. Twice is a trend, and then the rest of the saying is three times is evidence. Yeah. So, so if it happens again, then we—then the jig is up, wizards. So but this time I'll just look. I'll look at you like you're a shady person. Like, okay. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Okay, as far as coincidence or not. Okay, think of all the thousands of cases of Return to Ravnica that have been shipped out all over the world. And, you know, presumably, if, if this was an accident, and I use quotation marks, um, how exactly does one card from the print run of Gate Crash make its way into, what, the second print run, I guess, or third print run of Return to Ravnica... But not like you know, seven cards or forty-seven cards. Well, right. the the thing they're saying is it got stuck in the hopper. So they've got these like feeder tubes that have all the cards in them, and they like feed one card at a time. And one of them got like stuck in the metal thing at the top that they didn't oil enough <laughs> or something. I don't know. This is this was their this is their this is what they're saying. Yeah, it's it's. It's odd. You're right. I think you look at it from both sides of it. Uh, maybe this is just the one, and if Wizards is doing it intentionally, they say, "Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to put one in the you know second or third print run of Return to Ravnica, and if it's found, great. If not, you know, or if, oh, well. it's, if it's found before Gate Crash comes out, then then great. And if it's not, you know, like 
is it even going to be a big deal? Some dude's going to be like, I just opened a gate crash card in my return to Ravnica pack, you know, in in April or something like that. You know, who, who he's going to go, that's weird. And I have to say, you could probably not have picked a better, um, a better card to spoil by doing this mm-hmm. than Rootborn Defenses and whatever this new guy is. Simic Flux, Simic Flux Mage. Yeah. So let's let's pick like a neat card that has a that has the ability on it and put it in a pack. Right. So I mean it seems very convenient the cards that are being spoiled this way. Yeah, because so. if like Guild Feud had been spoiled accidentally out of Return to Ravnica, no one would have cared. Right. Right? Because right? that doesn't have any guild mechanic on it. Right. It doesn't have any flavor thing happening really uh, yeah, so, you know. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll read what Simic's Flux Mage, or Simic Flux Mage does. Actually, what, Ruben, do you want to read it? Because you're the Simic uh, of us three, I think. Oh, man, I have to... I, have I actually don't have it pulled up, so... Okay, I can, I can go with it. Uh, so it's an uncommon, for, obviously, from Gatecrash. Uh, it, it's a blue and two. Creature Merfolk Wizard, and it is uh, it is a one-two. Has the mechanic evolve, which I, I've also found kind of interesting since it was spoiled the day the world was supposed to end or evolve or whatever. <laughs> oh jeez! So anyway. geez, you're such a you're such a conspiracy theorist, Joe. <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch. Am, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so evolve uh, is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control. If that creature has greater power or toughness than this creature put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So so it grows as long as bigger guys are following it up. Um, and it has uh, an activated ability. Pay a blue and one, tap it, and move a plus one, plus one counter from Simic Flux Mage onto target creature. So I, this mechanic is insane. I, I really, really, really like this for limited. Um, it reminds me a lot of Graft, but it, it's like... Uh, if you look at the mechanics, when we'll we'll talk about them in a minute, they're, they're sort of they sort of reflect the old Ravnica mechanics. So, like if you yeah. go back to Return of Ravnica, a lot of the mechanics that you saw, like even like Overload, kind of feels a lot like um, Replicate. Yeah, like Replicate, or um, or even uh, the Red White mechanic, and I don't remember it because it was like not even oh the, um, the Bathing Light mechanic, Radiate. Yeah. Yeah, radiate. So and so, like the mechanics themselves, like sort of are a throwback to the old mechanics. You know, dredge becomes um, the scavenge. scavenge. Yeah, they work together. Yeah, yeah. So and this feels like if you look at graft, it's like okay, well, you play guys with graft, and then you play other guys, and then they get bigger or smaller. You know, based on what you play, and then you have creatures like Vigi and Hydropon that are like these, these, they're basically just graft machines. Yeah. And this guy acts very much in that way where if you just leave two mana open, you're pretty much every creature that you put on the battlefield, you know, once a turn, you're just going to throw a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, and depending on, and I don't know, we don't have the judge packet yet or whatever the rulings are, but depending on how it triggers, like if it triggers regardless of, you know whether or not you have a, a creature with that meets the requirement on the battlefield, they get even better. Um, so, like this guy, you could put the trigger on the stack and move a plus one plus one counter. Right. You know, to so, another guy if and, we have a graft creature in play and an evolve creature in play, things get really weird. Right. Right. Yeah. And you could just stack them. Like if you can't stack them, like if it has to meet the requirement, then that's not very good. But you know, you could you could put them on the stack in reverse order. Let the plus one plus one counter resolve, then let the graph resolve. And, it, you know, like this guy, 
he's got relevant creature types. He's probably too overcosted for uh, constructed unless he was like a fringe guy in a you know Merfolk deck if Merfolk becomes good. But yeah, I'm not uh, thinking this guy's going to be a uh, constructed all star. Let's let's read Fathom Mage, which is the yeah. other card with yeah. Mage, which has a lot right. more potential. So huh? here's Fathom Mage. Go for it. Fathom Mage is another. This one's a human wizard. Oh, that's interesting. Wizards. Yeah, well, yeah, they're all wizards, but it's not a merfolk this time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Fathom Mage is a four mana one one, which is a uh, you know not exactly where you, <clears throat> where you want to be, but two colorless green blue rare. It is it has evolve, which we just talked about, and whenever a plus one plus one counter is placed on Fathom Mage, you may draw a card. Mm. Yeah, so this seems a lot more exciting. I mean, it says draw a card on it. Always, always it does say draw a card on it. <laughs> it seemed pretty exciting. Now, I think it's funny because, well, it, it, this card obviously has a lot more potential to see some some amount of play, um, and wizards is obviously costing these creatures, the two that we have to look at, as if they're going to evolve somewhat at some point, Mm, you know, so. Yeah. um, And the other thing is, it's a 1-1. It's not too difficult to trigger evolve uh, on either of these guys, because they have a 1, you know, in, in either the power or toughness slot. Because that's another thing. It's like, if that creature has greater power or toughness, so you could, you know, you could play a 2-1 and have... Right, you could play a wall after you play your Fathom Mage. Sure. Like, I think this opens up... Uh, the You know, of course, we only have two cards uh, spoiled with this mechanic, and we only have one Simic card. But what I try to do is, you know, Wizards has a... They seem to have a formula with a lot of cards, and one of those cards would be like a uh, Vigian Hydropon, where it's like this 5-5 five, five for 3. Like, I imagine that there would be a creature that comes in and sort of resets your guys, but makes himself very big. Um, you know, like Sort of a, like a Spike Cannibal for your own guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that you could reuse the draw ability on these guys. Um, you know, I don't know how much plus one plus one counters sort of play into the theme, but it'd be cool if, if, you know, maybe the Guild Mage could pass him around, or... Right. Uh, but, I mean, the, the mechanic itself, this guy's gonna trigger for sure, one time, you know, if not two times, without having to put much effort into it, and, you know, do you really wanna... you really wanna waste your removal on this guy? Um, uh, you know, it's... It, he's awesome. I, I think this is a really well-designed card. I, I don't know, again... I don't know that this is good enough for uh, standard, but I guess if you're, wow, I mean, I guess if you're playing guys like Huntmaster and and Thragtus, I mean, this guy's just going to trigger every single time. Will he trigger twice on a on a Huntmaster? Uh, see, that's why. That's see my point. Yeah, think, so. See, the question is if he like if he triggers as a part of fulfilling the requirements. So like, if he enters a battlefield and it's like, hey, you know, you control or you, you know, the, the, these creatures have greater power. Like, if you play a Huntmaster, then do you get to draw two and get two plus one plus one counters? Because that think makes it only triggers once. Right. Basically, it's, is it checked on resolution? Like, cause, That's what I'm saying, yeah. Right. Because and, and otherwise, you could just giant growth your guy and giant growth their guy in response. They don't get the trigger. But that right. just seems like a little counterintuitive. I'm, I'm, uh, just, uh, I'm thinking, like, uh, I'm, you're talking about, like, maybe resetting them and things. And I wonder about, like,. Uh, I think of Restoration Angel immediately pops in my head, like, oh, I can mm. blink my Fathom Mage. So I wonder, is there a way to stack it so you play the Angel, get the counter, and then the blink 
you know, resolve. So you get the, yeah. get to draw a card. You should that's, you should be able to stack those triggers that way. Yep. Yep. Um, which is pretty cool. So you end up with a one-one fathom mage, but you did get to draw a card off of it. Um, yeah, I mean, this that's a good point, Joey. And and at the four drop slot, there's really not a lot going on. Um, and people aren't playing cards like Pillar of Flame right now. They're really on a, a sort of different game plan. So you know, yeah, who I mean, knows? Gonna, the, the format's going to get shaken up quite a bit. We've only, oh yeah, we've we've got like you know less than a dozen cards right now, and uh, you you can tell things are going to. I think change. that the I think that the good cards with Evolve are going to cost one and two. Mm. Uh, I think that the <laughs> the uh, the Master of the Pearl Trident deck is going to be where Evolve wants to live. I don't think that these grindy Evolve cards are going to really do too much. So I have no, I don't have a ton of hope for Fathom Mage and Simic Flux Mage. Um, but once they reveal the you know colorless and a green-blue hybrid 2-2 uh, with Evolve with no other abilities... Like that's where you want to live. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Or or just like a one one like flying men for blue green or something. Yeah, that, sure. Woo Evolve. Yeah, I think I think the aggressive of uh, I think the plus one plus one counters as opposed to the abilities attached to the plus one plus one counters. Yeah. And this, this ability I, just, I just want to point out that like I hate theory crafting on cards because I just think it's not productive, but Wizards has made mechanics that are so like we only have one card. With the mechanic, with uh, the mechanic for each every for every other mechanic, so um, we're not theory crafting to like have you know fun and make up magic cards. It's just a matter of like the next mechanic we're going to talk about is blood rush. We don't really know how blood rush is really going to play into other mechanics. Um, right. As far as uh, let me let me let me talk about rebel hawk and I'll, I'll explain what that means. So rebel hawk costs six. It's four red and a green for a star star. He has uh, power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control. So probably a 6-6 when you play him. And then he has the ability Blood Rush. And it's uh, one red-green, comma, discard Rebel Hulk. Um, and it gives target attacking creature plus X plus X, where X is the number of lands you control. So Blood Rush, is it always going to be a you know color-costed ability to get plus X plus X for lands? Or would it be like, on? could you have one that's on artifacts? Could you have one that's, you know, on sorceries in your bin? Um, you know, it, it yeah. really remains to be seen. If it's just going to be lands, then it's like, well, I guess that kind of makes sense because they already spoiled, you know, Bora Borgmos and Rage that, you know, he has sort of a lands theme. Nah, it's not like it's just going to be lands. It's, 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 it's going to be plus X plus X where X is the power and toughness of the creature. Duh. Wow. Yeah, that would be kind of insane. So, you know, Blood Rush is... You got like a... Two, two for three. The blood rushes for three at common. That gives plus two, plus two, mm. like that kind of thing. So it's just like basically cycling, but without the cycle. Right. It's um it's channel from uh, yeah. It's channel yeah, exactly. It's similar to channel. It's similar to reinforce. Right. Right. And and I think players players like these kinds of abilities, especially in limited, because you know being able to sort of have a multifaceted card makes your deck have a little more utility so I, I you know I like it yeah it's, and it's a very, uh, it's un- uncounterable combat trick <clears throat> exactly yeah it's, it's a very uh, it seems very in flavor for gruel to be able to to uh, have an ability like this like and, and as cranny was kind of saying like it's uh, it's not clear exactly how blood rush is going to be uh, 
implemented on the other gruel cards, but I think uh, if it's it's going to be something along these lines. And I think um, it's interesting because the you know you think red green and you think maybe like ramp decks, and so lands definitely seems like a place where where the ability wants to be. I just love the the flavor of it, and uh, I, I don't know if it's something that I see myself playing <laughs> very much, mm-hmm. but I, I, the uncounterable combat trick can certainly uh, make a big impact on... It, on let's games. not forget, this is plus X plus X. Right. Um, if for three mana, this realistically... I mean, if we're talking... I mean, I'm just thinking in the context of most limited. I mean, this could give a, a trample creature... That you know, if you played a five-five trampler for six, and you you know you untap and attack, you could be attacking for you know ten to twelve damage. I mean, that, this but is alone. This if you just play like one drop, or if you play like two drop, three drop, blood rush this on turn four for four. You know, yeah, but it's your opponent's just taking a million damage. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if there's some sort of uh, you know red green based. Uh, unburial rights deck. I mean, obviously the mana fixing is just getting ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, yeah. uh, so you know, early you have uh, a, you blood rush this guy. You know, or you just just pay three and pump something. Then you and reanimate then, him. Then reanimate him. Like and now he's he, even if you're uh, you're not getting a lot of value as far as mana because maybe you're you're reanimating him on turn five or maybe even on turn six uh, when you normally would just be playing him anyway. Uh, you you have a, a pretty big guy and you've gotten double value out of him in a way, um, and it's you know an easy way to just get him into the graveyard, uh, and and obviously he grows as the the game goes on. I mean he's stacking black blade, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. guy was awesome, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, of course you're talking about unbarrel rights. Let's not forget uh, if you haven't looked at Bor Borgmos the Enrage, mm-hmm. uh, that guy seems like my new favorite unbarrel rights target. Yeah, he is so big. He's a seven-six trampler um, that, if you discard a land, it deals three damage to target creature player. Yep, <laughs> and, and that's he also like it's lands in your hand. Yeah, it, yeah. If you deal damage, uh, combat damage, you can reveal top three, put lands in your hand. So in a deck that's playing like mulch and you know all these cards that is trying to you know its game plan is to reanimate a guy. This guy's nice because it sort of eliminates the need to have to play all of the, like the lingering souls and one drops. You could just sort of use it as a, uh, you know, it's it like does all of the things that Crater Hoof does without any of the support. So I like it. But uh, let's move on to the next mechanic. Um, the third mechanic is the Boros mechanic, and uh, the creature we had um, spoiled is Fire Main Avenger. And it's a two red white, so four mana for a three three flyer. So already that's pretty good. Um, it has battalion, and battalion is whenever fire main avenger and at least two other creatures attack, fire main avenger deals three damage to target creature player, and you gain three life. So um, it's like the Edric ability, I guess we'll call it, because yeah. Edric needed three creatures to to attack to trigger. Yeah, he and, needed um, three others. He's he's got even super battalion. Right, right, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so you know, this is this is a very interesting mechanic for red white to get because you know red white has you know if, uh, think of this as the opposite of exalted. Um, it, it encourages you to always be swinging in with your creatures. So this makes me encouraged to see things like anthem effects, 
Um, cards like, you know, not like Siege Gang Commander, that guy's probably a little bit ahead of the curve, but cards that maybe make multiple creatures, Spectral Possession, those kinds of things, inside of Boros. Um, and obviously this, vi- this ability is huge. It's a very, very powerful ability on a pretty well-costed guy. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why, if you didn't have a dedicated deck, that you couldn't play this guy. However, uh, it's got some pretty stiff competition at four, namely Hellrider. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and Falconrath Aristocrat, and I and just restora- don't... I don't see this guy getting any play while Restoration Angel's around. Right. But, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a cool ability, but I, it needs a lot of support. Um, and uh, I, I think... I don't think it's going to... I don't think it's out of the question to see something like this, but I don't... Uh, I don't know if this is the battalion card we're going to be seeing... In tournaments, as uh, as often, but th- th- nice to get a free lightning helix. So, just uh, just to kind of maybe make it give it a little more um, give it a little more credit. Uh, if you think of exalted, exalted's fine when you have one guy with exalted, but when you have two or three guys that have exalted, it gets better. Well, battalion, you know, if you had fireman fireman avenger or maybe even two and one, you know, one or two drop that had a battalion ability. It starts to get pretty darn scary, um, you know, when you're attacking. Let's say, let's just say you have two of these guys and a bird. You can deal six damage against six life. It starts to get a lot better. So I don't want to totally write it off without seeing, you know, maybe there's a one mana battalion guy that, you know, has an ability. I don't know. That oh just... yeah, there's there's a lot remains to be seen. We we have literally one card with battalion, but also remember the uh, the other. Boros card that we had unofficially spoiled on Craigslist, uh, Aurelia, and she triggered mm. on, you know, attacking, you know, whenever she attacks, untap all your creatures, you know, whenever she attacks for the oh, first yeah. time, so it goes great <clears throat> with Battalion, so I love how that works together, nice. um, and, you know, the, on the other hand, you know, I'm like, go ahead, play three guys so that I can wrath you, <laughs> you know? right, like, right, I, I'm very happy to, uh, to get value out of my sweepers so that, that you know that's what i thought of when i saw battalion i just want thatcher's revolt to be a tournament playable card <laughs> thatcher's revolt. <laughs> that's all i want with my life <laughs> is to just be like oh no i've only got one battalion guy in play i gotta trigger battalion somehow yay thatcher's revolt we did it <laughs> yeah, you know it, you know what else i think of is uh windbrisk heights yeah right? Like, I think about that that needed three guys to attack, and you had mm. Spectral Procession in the format. Now, you know, I, you, the first time I saw Windbrisk Kites, I'm like, whatever. And that yeah, ended up right. being a big deal in, uh, in, you know, all the way up to the Pro Tour. So, right. Right. Uh, Want to uh, move on to the, the next mechanic we have here? Yeah, so, uh, Joey, why don't you take it, take it away? Uh, we've got treasure, Treasury Thrall. I love that the Orzov... Thralls. Yeah, <laughs> the Orzov use Thralls. Uh, this is the Orzov card. It's a rare. It's uh, black, white, and four for a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, the me- mechanic is extort. Whenever you cast a spell, you may pay black or white hybrid. Uh, if you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain that much life. And then uh, whenever Treasury Thrall attacks, you may return target artifact, creature, or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So... Two pretty pretty neat abilities on here. Extort seems a little scary because uh, you know I, I look at it from the perspective of the kind of decks I like to play. And if I'm playing like Reed Duke's Bant list, 
and somebody's got something with extort on board, I, it, you know, I can only, I can counter their spells or kill their guys, but uh, if I'm losing a life every time they cast a spell, uh, it, it seems a little scary. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> so a couple things about extort. First of all, uh, let's, let's get, like, cheap extort guys and Gravecrawler. That's yeah. a fun time. Another interesting thing that I notice is if you do each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life, which is interesting wording. Instead of just saying they lose li- one life and you gain one life. Right. Well, that's because you're thinking about only having one opponent. Right. Well, sure. I guess it, it is better in multiplayer. Yeah. Just um, two at a giant, man. Bring it back. Oh, wow. Two at a giant. That card, that ability is insane in two at a giant. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, the the uh, the other thing about extort that's interesting to me is it's a black white hybrid, <clears throat> and we're gonna have Orsoff cards that are only mono black and only mono white. And I believe that Morrow uh, uh, confirmed on his not Twitter. What, what's the his, other his thing? Tumblr? His Tumblr. His yeah. Tumblr that the mono white cards with, will have extort. Hmm. Interesting. So that's interesting. And and, and it. Based on the text, it looks like it's always going to be costed at white-black hybrid. Yes. So that's that's actually good news because that that could have that could have gone a number of different ways. You know, um, it could have been a sack ability, it could have been pace, you know, life or something. Uh, you know, who knows? But uh, cool, cool ability. I I don't particularly like this card. No, uh, this card's insane. Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, it's it's, it's fun, insane. It's but insane in like um, like every casual format and every limited format. Well, it's not good in cubes, so that that's not true. <laughs> uh, um, all right, I think that getting stuff back from your graveyard's insane. No, it, it, it's a it's a cool card. Like, I like the the flavor of it, the design. It, it's neat. Um, I actually more curious to see, you know, like a white-white 2-2 guy with extort, like a white weenie type guy um, or an artifact with this. Like, you know, it it fits the flavor of maybe being, you know, know, a two or three mana artifact that has this ability. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable ability to tack on. So, again, without much context, it's it's really hard for us to really talk about um, you know where we think this mechanic's going to go, but I, we can yeah. assume that there's that Orzov may have some sort of uh, maybe artifact or enchantment sub theme. I think, um, yeah, to some degree, and it, it is cool. Like you know, this guy attacks, and you basically draw a card. You get to choose which card that is, but you have to have some set up first. So yeah, it's uh, uh, I, I could see it being cool in casual formats, but I don't know yeah. about standard. So. I am not nearly as unimpressed with this card as you guys are. Well. Fine, Ruben, then you can build your treasury troll decks. <laughs> All right, and we, no, you got... go ahead and build your, your Dak and Blackblade decks. And Ruben's, <laughs> Ruben's locking in his pick for the next uh, the Pro Tour uh, Facebook <laughs> treasury troll. Yeah, sure. He's, he's picking his his uh, big creature gold card. The, That's right. That's that doesn't right. have haste. All right, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the last card that we have, and this is arguably the most powerful card slash mechanic and that uh, is Whispering Madness. And this was just spoiled a couple days ago. Um, it costs two blue-black for a sorcery. And it has the text, Each player discards his or her hand, 
then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So this is actually Windfall. So right. if you don't know Windfall, Windfall costs blue to exact ability. And it has the uh, rules text Cypher. In Cypher, the way it works, it says, Then you may exile this card encoded on a creature you control. Whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player, its controller may cast a copy of the encoded card without paying its mana cost. Holy I love, I love that, that in the, the rules te- text is the word encoded. Yes. <laughs> so like two actual keywords on one card. Yeah. <laughs> or two, I don't know. I don't know, call it a keyword, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's weird, uh, you know, because we've seen haunts, we've seen imprints. This is very similar to those. It's kind of like a combination, I guess. Um, but, uh, it, okay, so l- let me get this straight. So Windfall is banned in, 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 in a format, is restricted in another, and it has one more mana to play this card to get the Windfall ability. Okay? And we get to have Cypher, which means, you know, if we play this and our opponent's tapped out, we can actually just run this back. Yeah, we, you, you, I mean, you can effectively... I mean, uh, the, the thing that I'm thinking immediately is... You can effectively mill them for fourteen, uh, if you think of it that way. <laughs> like, if if they've got if one player has uh, has seven, right? You cast Whispering Madness, they discard their hand, they draw seven, and then you attack, deal combat damage, and they have to discard their hand and draw another seven. Uh, so that that's that's pretty big game alongside cards like Nathalia Drownyard and Jace Memory Adept, which are already seeing play. I mean, right. That's that's. You know, that's something I'm thinking about as far as standard. So, I, okay, so I want to know why I think this card is so great. So right now, you have a couple different kinds of decks in the format. You know, you have some aggro decks, you have some, some value decks. Of course, Nia is becoming a big deck. But one of the best strategies in the format is to play Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah. And Whispering Madness does a really good job of, you know, you're playing, you're playing like the... You know, the mid-game, you've got, like, two or three cards in your hand. Your opponent's just been chaining Sphinx's Revelations. If you can get Whispering Madness to resolve, like, you've leveled the playing field. Not only have you have you sort of broken the the parody, you know, the card parity that your, your, your opponent's been, been able to garner by c- crafting his hand, but you've also been able to, you know, gain a bunch of card advantage, you know, because you go from two cards to seven cards. And, uh, and if your opponent's playing Sphinx Revelation, they're also drawing cards again, and you, you have a potential to just be able to mill them out. Yeah. Like you said. It's, it's definitely the, the anti-Sphinx's Revelation <clears throat> uh, in, a, in a way that Rakdos' return is, uh, has, has not proven itself to be. Yes. Yeah. Good. I think that... that um, I have a couple thoughts. First of all, Cypher is just a cool ability. How much do you think a common blue spell that says draw a card cipher would cost? Oh, wow. Probably three. Yeah. Three? Yeah, like Una's Grace, Una's Grace style? Yeah. I don't see any reason why not. I mean, yeah, maybe it would have to cost blue, blue one or something, just so that it's not... Not completely busted? Well, it, like, unlimited, that, card, where, uh, that card's annoying because, yeah, I think you'd have yeah. to make it sorcery. Yeah. Like I think most most of these are going to have to be sorceries just because it's way too backbreaking if your opponent to be like all right yeah blockers are declared all right mid combat this yeah that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty rough but I mean that's okay 
Yeah. This ability, I, I'm, I'm more thinking about this, you know, okay, so like when time reversal was spoiled, it's like, oh, we're getting time twister. Um, but it's two mana is, is, when you tack that on to the cost of time twister, it's just not that great. Well, I just don't know that if you just add one mana to this and also put Cypher on this, that you're making it uh, fair or balanced. Like, I think, I'm not saying this is broken or going to do any, uh, like, real harm to anything, but this is a very, very good card. I mean, I would like to point out that Invisible Stalker is still a card. Yes. Just everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and people did play Curiosity a little bit. Yep. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the, the draw card. So, cipher. all of the Cypher cards. Invisible Stalker is just, like, the happiest kid in the candy, candy store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so where where I think I, this card's going to be playing in is I definitely think that um, Invisible Stalker, that, I mean, there is a list out there right now that's playing Invisible Stalker. Um, you know, it, it has uh, the, the increasing savagery and a number of other cards that, you know, pump that guy up. This is a pretty good addition to that because you can refill your hand very quickly, you know, re- be able to sort of pump up your, your guy and swing in. So I, I like this a lot. I was going to say, how many cards do you draw if you increasing savagery or fathom mage? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I hope it's five. No, I think whenever... Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think, think you just draw five. five. I think it's awesome. five. Also, you have a giant Fathom Mage. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. That's that's kind of savage. Seems reasonable. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Cipher is my favorite of these. Um, I mean, not only because of I was, course I was excited. Be. I'm excited to see what Demir, uh, what the Demir uh, charm is going to be. Right. Um, that and so basically, that's looking at Gatecrash. I'm like, all right, what's the the Demir charm, and what is the the mechanic going to be? So, Cipher has uh, Cipher did not disappoint. So, I mean, I, I guess I just want to point out one thing about the Cipher mechanic is um it, it it's this card is maybe a bad example because it's probably fine even if you take Cipher off of it. I mean, it's. I, I shouldn't say it's probably fine. It's it's borderline playable, um, but it's a creature based mechanic for yeah. Demir. So you know, if I think Wizards has probably treaded pretty carefully on how they designed Demir without you know without making it too control oriented. Um, so we may yet see more cards like um, you know Shadow Mage Infiltrator or. Uh, you know, guys that have, like, evasion that would able to enable the cipher mechanic. So maybe we'll see, you know, a lot of flyers, a lot of, sh- you know, fear guys or intimidate right. or whatever. Um, that, that's my that's my prediction because you want cipher to be good. Um, you, I think want, you're right. you want your guys to connect, so. I think, I think that's a really good prediction because it, it makes sense flavorfully as well. Like, these guys are, are unblockable or something, because they're the Demir, they operate in secret, they're, you know, skulking in the shadows, and you yeah, know, getting in. Fear and yeah, intimidate, I mean. Fear, intimidate, whatever. Yeah, or even just straight up unblockable. You know, like, right. I, I, I can imagine something, we we already have Invisible Stalker, as you mentioned, so uh, I could see. We've also got, uh, what's the, it's the unblockable camp block guy from M13. Uh, oh, uh, Soulless or yeah, tormented soul, yeah, tormented yeah, soul, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there's like a halfway decent um, 
uh, card in in Demir that has a like a halfway decent ability on it that costs two. I could see that happening. Yeah, like Mill Five or something. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Mill Five. Just Tone uh, Scour. I, I mean, that that's fine. So probably Mill Three, but yeah, it seems like a good set to reprint um, Shadow Man Triple Trader, actually. Yeah. The only thing, though, well, I mean, I guess it does seem like it could could happen, but it's kind of like uh, he already has some sort of cipher put on him. I I'd, I think it's more mm-hmm. likely that we see just more evasion creatures, and then that leaves you the opportunity to encode them. Shadow Mage also has fear, and fear is not a word they use anymore. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe he'll use be a, a, a do like a reason. fixed one. Yeah. I mean. You know, it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty interesting because, like you know, we said before, Esper is kind of already finding its legs. Naya is already a deck. Once these come in, I, I would be surprised if we don't see a lot of the same color combinations we've been seeing. You know, the junk yeah. and those things. So it's it's pretty exciting. I like all of these abilities. The only one I'm just not a hundred percent sure is gonna find its legs and construct it as extort because I just think you have to cost it so. Uh, you have to cost these cards so high because the ability is just—it's pretty, pretty good. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited about all these mechanics. I'm real excited to see what else, uh, what else we can, or what else we're going to get. What other goodies? The, the official previews start, I believe, uh, this week. So while you guys are listening, there should already have been a couple of previews. Um, so cool. Very, very cool. Stuff to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I think. That about wraps us up for this week. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to mention or talk about? Or nope. Plug? I'm good. No. No. I hope you guys have a great New Year. Yeah. You guys too. Yeah. Happy New Year. And uh, I think uh, I think we have, as Magic players, a whole lot to look forward to. The game just keeps getting better every year. Yeah. No good doubt. job, Wizards. Yeah. For not accidentally killing your game like so many other trading card games have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to see Sam Stoddard. He, uh, yeah, lucky he came over to my house. Super he gave jealous. me a naughty nice, and I gave him a cube. Oh, nice! You gave him so. a cube? Yeah, <laughs> just a what? paper cube. Like you just like. Not, I mean, I don't mean paper. You just made a little origami cube. It's, you couldn't have given him an entire cube, right? No, I gave him a commons uncommon cube, fully built. Um, nice. It's actually kind of an interesting hybrid. It actually has about thirty rares, and uh, because I think that some of the colors just need a little bit more so i added some anthems added some wraths added some reanimation targets and some other things it's a it's a really cool list i'm actually really excited about it so i don't i don't know if he'll ever find time to play it but uh he, we had That's talked awesome. about it a little bit before he left are yeah. you gonna uh talk about that on joy of cubing yeah yeah i will absolutely cool. what's it what's it called i don't know i guess just it's a crayon called, cube the, the <laughs> maybe it's the the stod Sam, cube yeah the stod cube the sam i am cube i don't know Cool, man. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess, yeah, it's, it's just so you all know, it's been snowing steadily for the past 30 minutes. There so you go. Catching up to you guys. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Starting to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> a few days later. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> uh, that about wraps us up for this week. Follow us at In Contention on Twitter, uh, at KStube, that's Cranny, at Mox Ruby, R E U B Y, R E U B Y, that is Ruben, and at Affinity for Blue, that's me. Uh, 
We will see you guys next week. Until then, we are in contention.